Welcome back to As the Prop Turns. I'm your host, Kat. And Dan, as well. We are happy to be back after a long new year with an exciting season three planned out for you all, with some new special guest interviews and some deep dives into aviation. But without further ado, we have special guest Wes McDonald today with us. Wes is the airport operations manager here at McCollum. Wes, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And why don't we start this interview like we start all of our interviews? Where did you start your aviation journey? How did you get into aviation? Oh, man. So it's really funny how full circle it comes. I actually started, I guess, my general aviation um, journey at this very airport. Uh, My first general aviation flight was through the EAA, I guess, Young Eagles group uh, back in 2002. Got to take off in a little kit fox and fly around my house up near Lake, uh, Lake Alatoona. And um, came back, and then I was in uh, ROTC at Etowah High School as a cadet, which I understand they came by uh, earlier this week here. And um, it even started before that where, so my mom's from England, and we would travel back and forth to England at least once a year when I was a kid. So getting on a little puddle jumper Dash 8 from Hilton Head Island to Charlotte and then taking British Air to London and back and... um, being like the only kid or one kid in my school as a, you know, elementary school, being able to go internationally overseas and things like that. And um, just remembering the old stuff, the L-1011 and the DC-10s and, you know, just the the legacy airlines and things. That was always fun. And um, my grandfather worked for Lockheed. Uh, My step-grandfather, my father-in-law now, he, he worked for Lockheed. So I grew up around... C-130s and, you know, F-117, F-22 posters and uh, being an ROTC and everything, just being exposed to aviation, I really uh, fell in love with it. And not only just the flight aspect, the aircraft and everything, but uh, driving by this airport and other airports and just kind of seeing the beacon and the runway and the pretty blue lights on the taxiway. And that was kind of always a a neat thing. But in high school, I even... um, came out here once a while to sit. They had a bench out here when it was Northside Aviation and you know you could walk there was no fence. It was like after September 11th you're like there's no fence and you could just walk up onto the ramp and sit with a scanner and um I ended up helping one of the line guys wash some planes here and there and then I moved to Valdosta and went to Valdosta State for college and about a month after that I uh, ended up getting a job at the FBO and being a line guy there and that was Man, that was a dream job. That was a privilege there. And just being able to, you know, you're a 18, 19-year-old kid fueling a commuter jet, like a CRJ or a, a ATR that worked for ASA Airlines. Uh, they came in a few times a day. And then getting to meet celebrities like Denzel Washington came in one time to see his son play football. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a young freshman, sophomore in college getting to do that kind of stuff. And that was awesome. Well, of course, we're near Moody Air Force Base, so we had a lot of military traffic. And again, I was in ROTC in college there, too, until I found out a little thing that called colorblindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then, I obviously, I had allergies and asthma. And, uh, about 2004, the Air Force weren't giving any waivers to be in the Air Force or commission, so I had to kind of disenroll from the program. But I still had the job at the uh, Valdosta Airport, 
And I did some flight training. Uh, we had a flight school attached to the FBO. Uh, shameless plug to Valdosta Flying Service. So, um, but yeah, I uh, soloed and three one two Papa Delta. That was a Cessna one hundred and seventy two, and um, did a couple of cross countries uh, to Albany, uh, Georgia, and back. And then it kind of got down to well, got about a hundred hours. I need to need to go ahead and get my check right in, and but I needed to do a lot more nighttime flying, a lot more solo time, and um, it's either get your license or graduate college, which is, by the way, the only reason you're down here in Valdosta. So I had to go ahead and uh, kind of stop flying and, and focus on graduating. And then uh, spent the fall after graduation and a few months into 2008 there at the FBO. But I applied for a, just a shot in the dark airport operations agent with Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. So going from like the ninth busiest or 15th busiest uh, airport in Georgia, the busiest airport in the world, and um, actually got the call <laughs> and, and moved up in March of 2008. So I, I spent the first uh, couple of years just uh, inspecting the runway, uh, the airfield there, five runways, uh, 96 taxiway intersections there, having to memorize that. And learning this stuff about Part 139 and Part 77 uh, regulations and um, just going from small airplanes to 747s and being around them. So that was kind of a, I was a, a big, a small fish in a big pond again. And, um, but what was cool, I got to manage a lot of the cargo and satellite ramps out there and uh, get involved with a little bit of the emergency exercises and drills that we did. And then in 2012, we, I was uh, promoted to um, airport operations uh, for landside. And that was everything outside of the airfield. So uh, concourses, terminals, roadways, parking decks, the train systems. Uh, so a, a lot more like airport security type stuff, but the day-to-day -day operations of the terminals and things. So it was a, it was a good way for me to kind of understand the impacts of you know, what does a car accident on 285 do to the security checkpoints at Hartsfield? Or what, um, you know, what does an aircraft accident do to the whole airspace system? So I was getting to kind of learn the, the 500 feet, uh, foot uh, picture, the 30,000 foot picture, the airport, and what kind of, how those things are, are kind of inter, interchanged there. So um, spent several years with landside operations, got into crowd control theories, things like that. Um, just about every major incident at the at uh, ATL that happened since 2008, I've been involved in. I was the incident commander for several hours when we had the lights go out in Georgia that one night. So 2017 or something. And um, that was a mess. But just getting a lot of the experience, you know, it's and the, what, what, what's the quote, quote about experience is uh, experience comes from um, just being around, making bad judgment calls. And uh, I definitely have a lot of experience and I definitely uh, are the result of, uh, or I caused a lot of um, policies to be written. <laughs> so I'll put it that way. Of course, being on night shift, that's where uh, policies come from. So that's what they always joke about. But yeah, just spending a lot of the time there, uh, got into developing emergency plans and checklists and really focusing in on, okay, Here's this 15-page 
emergency plan for X number of emergency and okay, it happens and you freeze. It's just like your checklist in the aircraft, you freeze. Well, the two things that you need is to simplify the steps and to practice and drill that. So um, you, you, when it actually does happen, you, it's almost like you're on autopilot. You do the, you execute those that way. So I started writing plans kind of like that. So, you know, when the train goes down, this is what we do. These are the three things you do right now, you know, and, and just focusing on that. And it seemed to be effective for folks. So um, ended up getting my certified emergency manager um, certification through GEMA, the Emergency Management Agency for the state. And also had my certified member. I was a member of um, uh, the AAAE, the uh, American Association of Airport Executives. So it's a very long one. Um, but after uh, being in airport operations for several years, I, I did a couple of stints in emergency management. So that was kind of a very niche market just for even for large airports. There's only a handful in the country that have dedicated like emergency management you know, uh, entities or units for the airport. So um, I was helped... Uh, I helped manage the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center. Um, also was certified, got my CDL license, and got into driving and operating and managing, ultimately, the mobile command vehicle, which we deployed primarily for things like, you know, if we had an aircraft incident or um, when the president comes to town, uh, nine times out of ten, that's what we deployed it for. And thankfully, that's that's what we only deployed it for. We didn't have any major, major incidents where we had to do a full deployment. So, um, And then also we had our own fire training center there. So, um, you know, in the past couple of years, I was helping manage that where every Thursday you'll see a big, big black plume of smoke at the south part of the airport, and we have to put out a little page saying to the media saying, um, you know, hey, this is only an exercise. So it was awesome because we had at least 60 firefighters that had to remain certified for our certification. And uh, you have to do a live burn. And it was kind of neat getting involved with that. So um, and then, you know, after a while, you know, over fi I was there for almost 15 years. So actually, March 6 will be my 15th uh, year if I if I would have stayed there. But just uh, being there so long, you know, I had Different highlights, like we had the Super Bowl out here, out there in 2019. So we had Mass Exodus Day, the Super Bowl, or the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, and just set all kinds of passenger records. Uh, helped do a lot of the planning for that, which we started a year out. And then fast forward all the way up to the day of, zero hour, I'm there at 3 o'clock in the morning on the floor, and we have all the crowd control measures in place and signage and and it was it was a definitely an experience. So, but also just being around for the Concourse F, uh, which the International Terminal Complex opened in 2012, the Rental Car Center uh, opening. I was a, a member of that activation team, uh, doing the punch list items and things. Um, like I said, the power outage and every ma major incident since 2008. So it's just a lot of a lot of things that uh, when you look back, you're like, oh man, that's, it's a, that's a big journey. So, but then uh, in July of last year, so 2022, I um, was hired on as the airport operations manager here at the Cobb County International Airport, also affectionately known as McCullum Field. And um, 
it's always been a dream of mine. You know, I always said, uh, working in Atlanta, like, oh, I have nowhere else to go. You know, there's only a few airports around here. But, uh, man, as soon as that opened up, I was like, I'll, I'll cut my commute down at least two hours out of my commute. I only live about 12 minutes away. And, I mean, I maybe spend 30 minutes a day in the car uh, getting to and from, from work. And, you know, as opposed to almost two, three hours. So it's really uh, helped, helped it back, uh, bring back more time to my life, which is nice. But on top of that, like I said, it's a full circle. I got to come back to the airport where I kind of learned about general aviation and, you know, it's my hometown airport, you know, even though I, I mostly grew up in Woodstock and Ackworth, you know, um, it, Cobb County airport, it's really, it's a regional impact. And that's something that we're focusing on now is, you know, there are people that own aircraft, uh, here, base them here, but they live in Roswell or, uh, they might live out in Paulding County and come here because they've been here before Paulding County had the airport, but there's just a bigger impact to that. So <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> um, I guess I'll talk about what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So yeah. Wes, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what your role here entails? Sure. So it's, uh, I always like to say everything and anything. Um, there's a lot of things that you can study to be an airport manager or operations manager. Um, and you're not, you're not going to do most of that. I mean, that might be an hour of your day, but everything else is spent and everything else. Like, um, so in general, the day to day, it could be, it's, it could be a very slow day. It could be a very busy day, uh, week to week changes. And we might have a project that we're working on that that's my only focus for a month, but then I might have a few months where I'm just working on rainy day projects, which is like, that's where I like to spend my time in quadrant two the Eisenhower matrix. So that's another podcast subject there. So, um, but yeah, I, right now I'm focusing on you know, like systems, uh, use of new technology, uh, processes, things like that, getting those, um, kind of more efficient and then doing some data analysis. Um, so we'll get into that later in the podcast about where we stand as an airport and we're, Superior stands uh, in relation to how the percentage of the um, flight operations. But um, so currently, I'm working on an updated letter of agreement with the uh, air traffic control tower, uh, the fire department, police department, and airport management. So it's just kind of a something on paper, an agreement that um, when we have an aircraft accident or incident, um, this is the process or the procedures on how it's going to happen with the response and you know, how we do everything all the way through after action reporting. So that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, this week, um, I've done ARF training courses. We did a two-day course in September with our fire department, just teaching them about aircraft and airport familiarization, how to talk to the air traffic control tower, things like that. So that's where I kind of pull my, my flight experience, flight training uh, experience out of my pocket and kind of put that hat on for a little bit. Um, I have a two airport maintenance, uh, folks that work for me and we have a third opening, uh, right now. So, uh, I guess by the time you're hearing this podcast, hopefully we've hired somebody. Um, but they focus on, you know, keeping the airfield up to snuff. And I mean, everything from uh, runway lights and signage are working. If there's a hole in the pavement, uh, the fence is, uh, needs repair. Um, I mean, there's, it's, 
primarily most of the year in Georgia, it's going to be landscaping, mowing, things like that. But um, there's a lot of just random things that we need to keep keep up and going. And, and it's a lot of life safety stuff. So it's a very important role out here. And um, I didn't know a lot about it. So I've had to learn a lot of the nuts and nuts and bolts and how to do how to change a runway light or a Mauser tower uh, light, things like that. Um, we do airport tours. So uh, I've had 30 uh, screaming Girl Scouts one time, uh, which was nice because they were actually really excited about aircraft and um, tailored that presentation to, you know, girls in aviation and things that you can do out here. And um, I've got an, a Boy Scout tour coming out uh, in March. I've had a Senior Center Active Adults tour out here. And then even down to like the tax assessor or something random, you know, I'll get to tour somebody about once a week. So I like to show off the airport to them. And, uh, but like I said, the, um, it's, it's very random. The things that I have to do, uh, you know, at Hartsfield, you, you have it all kind. It's, it's a niche job. You're the airfield electrician for the North complex, or you're the, you know, X, Y, Z for this financial plan here. Um, here I do it all. So I do noise abatement, you know, at other airports, even general aviation airports, they have people that just monitor that phone and do the, the study on noise and take the complaint calls and things. Well, we do that. Um, wildlife management, uh, tracking, you know, the types of wildlife that we have out here and studying, um, the different habitat modifications that we have to do, like keeping the grass under six inches. So it's, it's, I'm going back to my experience at Hartsfield where you learn about even the grass height impacts safety of aircraft. And then that also impacts your reputation out here. If the FAA comes out with a report saying RYY has a lot of bird strikes, I think a lot less people might come here or they might choose another airport. So uh, wildlife management's a pretty important one. Um, inter, like I said, interfacing with governmental agencies. Uh, just yesterday we had Cobb County officials come out to the airport and just we hosted a uh, their quarterly meeting just so they can kind of interface with each other. And uh, But it was nice because we got to show off the airport and there were a lot of comments. So it's a, you know, it's rainy, it's overcast. They expected not to see anything. Well, we were rocking and rolling. We had, you know, uh, ILS or IFR uh, arrivals coming in left and right. G5 parked right in front of the, where they were having their meeting. So it was kind of nice to see, have them see the impact that we have. Um, some other things I do, uh, my favorite uh, folks in Cobb County DOT. So, oh, well, I'm a Cobb County DOT employee. I should have probably explained that before that. Uh, so Cobb County owns the airport. But in DOT, we have a finance department, so um, I interface with them a lot now that, you know, we make purchases or things like that. We have to either have the receipt or justify. So I spend quite a bit of time uh, dealing with purchasing uh, of things. And it's really funny because we, we bought, like, runway lights. And they're, the DOT finance folks are used to seeing, you know, construction materials or concrete or rebar or a new tractor or something well we're out here buying you know runway lights and airport related stuff wind socks it's kind of funny to kind of justify those line items so and then um, another big one is uh, construction management uh, project management so 
Back in October, we had to shut down the runway for 72 hours, and then it was a month and a half long um, uh, asphalt ceiling uh, project, and we had to restripe, uh, repaint the runway markings and the apron markings and things like that. So just having to kind of interface with the inspector and the project manager for them and announce to the flight schools and our tenants and things, hey, these are the impacts for this week, and so that was a that was a full time job, and you know, in the next couple of years, we might have some more of that coming up. And uh, but another thing is security. So even our little little quote unquote airport out here, you know, we might need to have a, a more robust security plan. It's twenty twenty three. We have a different threat environment out here, and uh, everything down to making um, ID badges and access IDs more consistent or having some, like I said, consistency between uh, who issues those and who has access out here. So as an airport manager, we have to kind of focus on just about everything that goes on out here, um, including driver safety. So uh, you have an access ID, you get your vehicle out to your aircraft. Well, now we're having, well, we have over 350 based aircraft possibly out here. So um, a lot more vehicles, and we might need to formalize some more training for that. So I'm working on that as well. And then it's just the random things that pop up. The One day I'll just get a call, 7.45 in the morning. It's the Air Force Rescue Coordination Center down in Florida, and they have an ELT, cord, or ELT transmission going off, and I have to go respond and go try to find that. And um, that was one of the first things I started doing is you, you call the uh, – the mechanics around here, then the flight schools, and then kind of go around with a radio trying to see if you can isolate who it is and then follow up on that. So it's kind of cool. You get to, you're sitting down working on something or checking emails, and then you get a call like that you have to respond to something, and then you can go back and all that. Um, and then just completely random stuff like we filmed a pretty major uh, Christmas movie out here in November. Um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, will be in it. And I heard the other day, actually, it's coming out in December 2024 now. Um, but it's called Red One. I can officially say that now because they've wrapped. Uh, but just having to coordinate that kind of stuff. They did film it on private property, but it was on also on airport property. And we had to help with the access and things like that, coordination. And we do. We field calls all the time for, you know, businesses that want to come to the airport or uh, film production companies that want to film here. And uh, we can't always accommodate that kind of stuff. But like I said, it's stuff you don't learn in school. And um, a lot of airport managers have airport management degrees. Uh, I ended up getting a business management degree from Valdosta State. So um, thankfully, I did have a lot of background in marketing and finance and just general business management and learning how to do things on your own and investigate and uh, research. So that's, those are kind of skills that you have to have as an airport manager. So when XYZ pops up, you can at least wing it, <laughs> you know, no pun intended at an airport. So, but that's, uh, that's about how, how it goes for me. Yeah, that is a whole lot to not only learn about, but it's funny that you talk about being the operations manager and how it's not exactly a set day-to-day uh, -day list of items you have to go through and complete because uh, I feel like anybody who's in an operational management role that's never the case you're going to be doing a million things 
think for our company, our operations manager tore apart a room and put down new carpet and stuff. It's never stuff that's on the job description. So right. it's yeah, funny it's, to see it doesn't change at any level. Yeah, and the job description in Atlanta it used to say something to the effect of uh, and anything uh, as assigned, any duties as assigned, uh, other duties as assigned. So it's and then some, right. you know, and yeah, I mean, that's how it is. I, I clean the bathrooms in our office. I had to Christmas Eve morning, had to come out and troubleshoot air traffic control radios. I know a little bit about radios, but I don't know a lot about the keying system and things like that. And I'm on the phone for four hours. Christmas Day, I came out for a burst pipe at the FBO. And it's like, I'm not a plumber. But, you know, <laughs> you have to kind of just be aware of things and kind of help coordinate. And so knowing I don't know that, I'm not going to touch that. Like electricity, I just, I don't touch. So, yeah. but... Yeah, there is a lot of everything to do. So, truly, well, uh, going back to your experience at Hartsfield Jackson and talking about the crowd control theory, um, I think that's just kind of funny thinking about how much I don't want to say theory, but science theories and things you may not think about get implemented into people's day to day lives. Um, and that relates directly to like theme parks and such too, like queue line theories, queuing people. Exactly. It's just hilarious that there's so much thought and energy put into mentally tricking people into, you know, standing in a super long line. But it's, to yeah. them, it's not super long. So. And that's what, like, Disney and even, you know, Universal and any other um, major theme park or anywhere where you have queuing. Uh, which, by the way, queuing is a very long word when you look at it written down. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's not really an abbreviation. Uh, abbreviation's another long word too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, I mean, there's only a few of us in landside operations that really, really got into it. And even down to like, there's a formula to it, but I think the formula is really the people. Um, you got to understand that behavior is contagious and uh, there's just this animalistic visceral feeling that overwhelms people when they think that someone got ahead of them somebody's a somebody's before me you know ahead of me they're yeah. faster than me so just being like you said tri it's not really it is mind trick is you have to jedi mind trick them with stanchions and ribbons to get them to be complacent and get in the end of the line so um but that's really it i mean it's it's it is funny how how that is they'll sit in traffic well i don't sit in traffic i mean i'm kind of I start yelling too, but, yeah, and I say yeah. this because I hate standing in line too, but, and I'm British. I, I know how to cue, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it is funny. It's always with the simplest of things too. Like you were saying, like ribbons are just a simple sign and, um, and just related back to the theme parks, just cause forever ago, I, it's terrible. I sound so dreadfully born when I say this aloud, but I watched this whole, like it was an hour, two hour documentary about cue line theory Yeah. and how the zigzags and how the, TVs and random stuff to put off to the sides. It's just all to take your view off the fact that you're 50 out of 50 people in line for a ride that closes in 10 minutes. So Yeah, and people would rather know that there's progress, and they don't really care about how long it takes as long as they know they're progressing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, your point, at this point, this is 10 minutes. At this point, this you're at 7 minutes, or you keep moving, and that was always, always our thing. Even though they had to, folks had to walk an extra like row, 
they're walking, they're moving, they're not standing still. Yeah. So that kind of helped, and it helps the flow out. Like, I mean, I, I could get into the whole flow theory and everything. Oh, and that's just, probably way too much for, that's I another, mean, Hartsfield-Jackson, yeah, too. another just, episode. That's, that's a mess of a thing there, but um, it's just funny to think of all that goes into just flow theory, just moving people around there and could tell the few times I've been at Hartsfield Jackson, it's always interesting to have to experience that because it's either uh, the lines are always super long, but somehow I always end up getting to the front of the line right when they cut it off and say, we just opened up a new checkpoint, come over here. Right, yeah. Then so I, I, I don't yeah. have too much to complain about. I uh, somehow always get lucky with that, like Christmas or yeah. that was Christmas. Christmas, of course, it's super long lines. I think it was flying out two days before Christmas Day. And got to middle of the line, all of a sudden, cut off, let's go over to this new checkpoint, got through in like five minutes instead of like an hour and a half wait like everybody else. So, again, I can't complain too much. Some of that uh, flow theory and everything that you guys are using uh, absolutely works, and it's worked in my favor. That's awesome. And for those listening, I know I have millions of people yelling at me in my mind to actually mention you do actually need to show up at least two hours prior to departure, yes. <laughs> the b- departure time, because there's so many other things. And I, I just, you know, personally know about these things, the car accidents, your Uber's late, you check in issues at the ticketing counter, your mobile boarding pass doesn't work. And then God forbid you get through security in less than 20, mi- 20 minutes, which 90% of the year you're getting through Hartsfield Jackson security in less than 20 minutes. Uh, but once you get through there, the train might be delayed or down, or there's somebody that fell down the escalator. And you have to go around. So there's a lot of things that could happen. And instead of rushing and panicking, I'd like to be there an hour before yeah. and pay $9 for your cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Peace of absolutely. Mind. Too many outside variables to right. just show up with five minutes to get through all of that. So. Uh, yeah, no, it is always funny whenever it's that classic argument of, well, when do you want me to drop you off at the airport two hours before? And oh, yeah. most of my friends are like, no, no, do it 30 minutes before. Yeah, 30. No. Yeah. Oh, no. my goodness. <laughs> sprint through and everything. It's terrible. But, but I have pre-check. Yeah. No, which no. you won't always have. So Yeah. No, so that's random. true. That's true. Um, it's funny. Well, in your experience, do you think at Hartsfield Jackson, is it better to get an early morning or late at night flight rather than middle of the day flight. Oh, man. Because my rule of thumb forever has been you leave early, so you miss that Atlanta traffic, or you go late, so you miss that Atlanta traffic. Yeah. Less people are up at that time. You get through the traffic flow. You just don't miss – don't mess with the middle of the day. Yeah, I mean, it it depends. I guess the short answer is it depends on where you want to wait. Do you want to wait? on 75 south getting to the airport or do you want to wait in line at the security line uh but i always defer to early morning only because if for any reason you miss your flight and this is something that we have a privilege at hartsfield there are i can't even remember how many destinations it's well over i think 300 just domestic if you miss your flight you can always get the next one which is likely to be another hour later if it's a major airport. You know, your Dallas, your Chicago, New York, Florida, anything in Florida. Um, you know, if you're going to Sioux City, what, Iowa or something, it might be every four hours or something. But, yeah, always go a little earlier in case you do miss. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Going early, so if you do miss it, you get the yeah later flight. I just I would rather stand in the line and wait at the terminal for yeah. an extra thirty minutes rather than sitting seventy five south or two eighty five or anything yeah. that ends with a five in Atlanta area. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah. it's terrible. So kind of thinking of that, of all of the airports that you have been to, had experience with. Uh, apart from RYY, because let's be honest, we're pretty great over here. Yeah, we're There's pretty nothing awesome. really wrong going yeah. on at all. Um, of all the airports you've been to, what was the best operated? And not by you, because I know you're going in and killing it every time you're running these shows. Yeah. But what was the best operated? What was the worst operated? This can be international oh. or just domestic. Right. And I can give you my answers as well. Well, I do need to shamelessly plug Hartsville-Jackson, because ACI North America, who helps kind of regulate... I guess the surveys of, of uh, airports and operations. I mean, Hartsfield has won most efficient airport year. I mean, for several years in a row. In the past 20 years, I mean, it's it's at least half those times. Uh, also, the busiest airport in the world. I mean, so how can you be efficient and move that many people? And I just think it's the, the setup. So if we just take Hartsfield out of the, out of the way there, I mean, I've been to, I mean, maybe a dozen air, airports in the United States, several overseas. Um, so I'll put it this way. All right, so Jacksonville Airport in Florida is actually a pretty good airport. Um, cause I've, I'd only flown out of there once. I think I was going to St. Augustine to a wedding, and I was pleasantly surprised because it was, it was kind of newer. Um, actually, I think I have a friend that might be listening to this. Uh, so you're, you're welcome for the plug. (laughs) And I didn't come in here thinking about that one either, but, um, and I think that's what it was is you don't, you don't expect like a, you know, it's a moderate hub there. And, uh, they had a, they did a lot of intentional things for the passenger and the customer. So I noticed that kind of thing. And I can appreciate that because of, uh, what I did at Hartsfield and studying these kind of things. Um, I think internationally, um, Prestwick airport in Scotland, which is, a uh, Prestwick's on the coast kind of near Glasgow. It's a Glasgow airport. It would be like if you're flying out of, um, it's like a, a midway instead of an O'Hare. So, you know, your Ryanair, easy jets, they fly out of, out of Prestwick, a lot of military traffic coming back over here. Uh, to and from Europe, but they had, um, they had a, you, you drive up, it's really nice, uh, outside, but it was really cool. Cause you get a chuckle, uh, one of their, their sayings, their motto, it's on the side of the building too, is pure dead brilliant. And so you kind of want to say it like Scotsman, like pure dead brilliant, you know, it's like you have to roll that R and that was kind of, you know, that, that already got me, you know, I was flying out to, I think Ireland or something for the weekend and, um, but just very efficient. You go through, there wasn't a lot of trains. There's no buses. It's only if, and it's several gates, you know, but a lot of options. It's meant for people, those early morning flights, um, things like that. And I, I can say that too, cause I worked at, believe it or not, I worked at WH Smith, a, a book, uh, news agent at the Glasgow international airport. Um, oh man, 2005, I did a six month study abroad over there in Scotland and of course, being around airports, I have to I have to be around them. So, I got a little job there and um, getting to travel around. So yeah, Prestwick, you uh, 
you definitely get the plug there. And I'd be interested in actually making them our uh, like a sister airport agreement out here. So um, I think the runner up will be uh, Toronto, not Toronto, Toronto. Uh, just like I said, intentional operational type movements that they've done, like the little um, vinyl decals in the floor coming off the train to say what side, you know, Canadians are very polite. They're always saying sorry, you know, for anything. Oh, even if it's nothing that they were sorry for, it's just, but just keeping everything very efficient and like everybody stay to the right, be courteous, things like that. So I saw a lot of that and I thought that was really cool for, for passenger flow. So yeah, that's that. So of all the flying experiences that you've had, what has been your favorite aircraft to fly? Oh man. Let's see. Well, as a pilot, I can only really say Cessna 172 because that's what, you know, I've had controls, you know. Um, I think overall my favorite aircraft, just for all around, I mean, I have the uh, the family connection to it. You know, my family, uh, I have several members of my family that built it, repaired it, studied it, designed it, is the C-130. And um, I've actually gotten through ROTC, gotten to fly on it several times. Um, it's just, it's literally the workhorse. I mean, you can parachute, you can make it a fueler, you can make it, um, you know, you can land Cargo on a highway everything. in the middle yeah. of Afghanistan and, and just do whatever you need to do. And it's, it's really cool. So I think that's kind of my overall favorite aircraft. And um, I do want to get behind uh, that L-39 that we have here. I want to get in the cockpit one day. Oh, with something. Um, yeah, the L-39 with, um, I believe it's uh, Mr. Lee yes. who operates that. Fantastic yes. guy, and it's always funny. And I laugh that. You know, especially I grew up around this airport as well, yeah. and it's funny to look at this airport from outside the fence. Yes. Like, well, that's just a small little airport. It's not doing too much. Mm-hmm. Well, that L-39, he's flying in air shows all around. If you, if anybody ever goes to an air show and sees an L-39, yeah. green, red, and white, or red and... It's like a black yellow, and white. Yellow, yeah. and yellow, and black, black. Yellow and black. I yeah. don't know what colors I was thinking, but yeah. yellow and black, 777. Yep, that's right. That is straight that's out him. of RYY. And it's funny, Superior's um, mechanic, AMP mm-hmm. here, he actually is, his name is on that L39. Because really? he helped do work on it okay. forever ago. So it's it's funny. It's um, There's a lot going on for this airport here for um, McCollum and such. So Oh, yeah, we have a absolutely lot going grand. on. And we're going to definitely have to do another uh, episode on the history too much to and talk the about. reach of the airport. I mean... We, it's insane for yeah, the area we're the too. Third busiest general aviation airport in Georgia, and we're the fifth or fifth busiest overall. I mean, including you know Hartsfield, Savannah, yep. all the yep. all the commercial airports. So we hold our own, especially in Metro Atlanta and, and the region. And um, when you kind of compare it to other airports across the United States, same level of based aircraft, same flight operations towered air airport but no commercial service I and mean, we're only one of a half dozen to a dozen uh, airports like us we have a customs facility here so that's it makes us a little bit it's more a big unique. plus absolutely and like you said like seeing the airport from outside the fence like i've seen you know every day going to my other big airport uh, traveling 
once you get inside the fence and then you start going on the runway and the ramps and getting to know everything, you're like, oh man, actually it's, it's kind of, it's an optical illusion almost. I mean, you're, we're really busy. Truly. <laughs> it's, it's we got insane. a lot going on. It is insane. I, and it's funny that you bring up those uh, statistics about the impact and how busy we are in comparison to other Georgia airports because it wasn't only the other day. I was at a local business association meeting, mm-hmm. and the Town Lake Center development team, I forget yep. what fancy title they have. Oh, my goodness, they were going on and on about the airport and the significance it has yep. on economic impact of the area and business impact people moving people in and out it's yep. it's crazy and to then think looking at this airport again outside the fence run one runway yeah single runway too and we are just killing it out yeah. here it's insane so I mean, it's fantastic it, we have uh i think it's at least 300 jobs out here and almost it's about 900 950 indirect jobs um 18 businesses and out of those 18 businesses that hires almost 300 people. Mm. And, um, I mean, think about how many students y'all have and the different, um, impacts that all the business, all the businesses collectively have. And I think back in 2020, they did an impact and, uh, economic impact study. And it was $129 million that just generates from this airport. And that was two years ago, three years ago now. Jeez. Yeah, I can't imagine now, especially yeah. with movies being shot over there right. and everything else that's happened. Uh, the World Series was a big pull into here and Huge, had everybody yeah. coming in and out. And it's Super it's crazy. Bowl. So, I mean, we'll definitely have to talk further probably on another day, another recording where we're just going in-depth about just our why why. Because there's, yeah. there's too much to talk about and just – one sitting. You could do a Absolutely. whole season just on Yeah, just on RYY. Well, it'd be funny if you went around and, well, maybe we could do this. You go around and let's just get little snippets from everybody who works here. That would be cool. How they, how they, how they feel about RYY. Yeah. But um, kind of keeping on track with RYY, what are some things that you see as the airport ops manager that you would like to see done better, not by so much operational standpoint, but more from the tenants, more of the people who operate out of here. What's something you would like to see better? So I guess, like I said, is my big focus is on centralizing kind of processes and getting everybody on the same page because, you know, there's folks that own single engine pistons that have been out here since the 80s or 90s. And then there's the corporate aircraft uh, person that comes in that, you know, uh, swings a big checkbook and can purchase enough fuel for that will take out the Cessna uh, owner, you know, and, and he doesn't buy that in a whole year. So, um, but just being welcome to everybody, but also I'd like to improve on the communication uh, amongst the tenants, you know, having a, like an airport community, kind of a sense of pride and then uh, a community feel to it where, um, yeah, like I said, all are welcome, but then we also share information, uh, what's going on around the airport. And then things like that will be important when we do have something suspicious happen out here. You notice something or, you know, there's somebody that shouldn't be a certain place. Um, they know who to call. They know when to call because they can articulate why it's suspicious. But I mean, going back to the day to day, it's just, uh, it's just good to be good neighbors with each other. And, um, 
But when we do have incidents, like if, God forbid, we have an aircraft incident, you know, we want to have um, everybody kind of be familiar with whatever, uh, what the responders are going to be doing uh, so they can kind of stay out of the way or how can we assist and um, things like that and communicate. Uh, I want to communicate better on our processes and maybe do a little bit more training like ramp safety, FOD safety. Um, you know, we have at least 12 people out there, the line guys, maintenance, airport maintenance, myself, our airport manager looking for FOD uh, on the ramp in the air, in the airfield. But what if we had 300, you know, looking for FOD actively, making that a part of their rounds, uh, just their day-to-day -day, walking out to the airplane and they see something 20 yards from them, you know, go pick it up and th that kind of thing. So, um, like we used to say at Hartsfield is security is everybody's business. Um, and uh, I always say FOD. Everybody's a member of the FOD squad. So there's a lot of things like that. But I think we're in a really good place, too, as a community. And I've heard from a lot of the tenants recently, too, that, you know, things are improving in the past, you know, decade and um, and all that. So Absolutely. No, and that's it's a good awesome. time to shamelessly plug our social media. We got uh, into... 2023 and um we finally we're going to start marketing the airport a little bit more um you know externally to uh customers but also have a, a platform where i can share information um and and listen to it's like almost like town hall and hear what you guys are up to as well um but primarily so we're going to be on uh we're on instagram which is ryy underscore airport and um also facebook if you just kind of search at the top it's cobb county international airport and mccullum field and you'll that should pop up a lot of those are they're just tied together so we'll be able to no matter what platform you're on but we also um we've been using the hashtag uh fly ryy so it's kind of a you know, getting that whole, no, it's whole pretty catchy. one airport I like that. Yeah, type yeah. thing. And it kind of rhymes, you know. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then with those uh, platforms, are you, I know that you're saying more marketing the airport to people. What kind of, I'll say, events, what kind of things are you hoping to come out of having this social media platform, this new presence on social media? Yeah, so, I mean, primarily just kind of forwarding external people. Like, if they're looking up our airport, for an option to come to Metro Atlanta. Uh, it's a platform for them to kind of see what we've been up to, but also to forward them to our website um, for more information or maybe to contact us if they have a question. Um, and then also to advertise, you know, if we have significant milestones or uh, this day in history at McCollum, uh, you're going to start seeing things. Uh, our uh, Mr. McCollum, our namesake, it's his birthday coming up in March. Uh, he would be, I think, 110 if he was still alive today. But we want to celebrate our namesake, and you know, I might make a post about that. But then also, uh, I like to brag about we have the longest general aviation runway north of Atlanta. So um, you know, putting those kind of things yeah. out there and fun tidbits and out there, and then just things like the general public that could, you know, uh, yeah, welcome them as well. But yeah. they might notice, hey, we have a Cessna, but we also have a C-130 that can land here. So. Yeah. Uh, but and it's also a lot of the reputation. I know a lot of folks around here are afraid of well, this airport becoming commercial. Or we're going to have airlines here, and and that's that's never going to happen. We're you know we might have a big aircraft here once in a while, but uh, they're quieter than some of these little 
smaller yeah. aircraft. Yes, that's very pistons, true. Those you know, radial, uh, radial engines yeah. and such. Yeah, like we have a lineage, uh, Airbus uh, or a lineage uh, Embraer uh, lineage one thousand. He takes off here often, and um, it was interesting when I first got here. He took off, and we had like a bonanza right behind him. He was louder than <laughs> yeah. the other yeah. one. So, oh, that's hilarious. But that's awesome. And I assume with uh, the platforms, you'll also be able to put out. With the oddball events that will happen here, like commemorative uh, Air Force CAF, they'll come over to the south ramp. They'll do some stuff. More of letting, I guess, the general public knowing that, hey, there's things happening where you are more than welcome to come experience some bit of aviation. Yes. Yeah. If we have anything like op- like that open to yeah. the public, we could share that. And then, um, you know, if we did have some information we need to put out to everybody, like, hey, we've had an emergency runway closure for... Uh, emergency maintenance work or something that way it's another level of communication that we can absolutely get because you know everybody reads notums right so absolutely Absolutely. yeah i (laughs) that's awesome no so that's great um i guess with that are there any other social media platforms you wanted to plug in there anything else you wanted to say about ryy yeah sure uh well we are on this little thing that i don't know if zillennials will know this but uh it's called twitter we do have that one, but it, like I said, it's tied in. But it's at ryy underscore airport, and um, you know we just kind of it's going to be very infrequent right right now, you know, posting. But we want to have it just a one platform where it's the one voice, the airport uh, management office that we can communicate. So, got you, awesome. Well, I guess the last question that I have for. Anybody who's looking to get into aviation, and more specifically aviation management, what is one thing that you could offer as good advice to them? It's got to be, like I've always, uh, have a few people over the years ask me that kind of question, and it's really get the experience, um, and don't be afraid of, you you know, starting at the bottom. Uh, I fueled planes for almost five years. And now I'm running an airport, you know, so uh, it does take time. You're not going to get the title and the responsibility uh, right away. Um, it does take at least a decade of experience. Um, but you do need, uh, it does require, industry standard is a, is a degree, four-year degree. And like I said, it doesn't have to be an airport management. Um, I, I got one in business management and uh, certifications. So uh, you can get large ones, like get certified as a, a certified member in the airport executive uh, organizations or um, something smaller like a project management, PMP certification. But then taking classes, uh, I did things in emergency management that I use now. So your local and state EMA organizations host uh, open um, trainings and just learning how to write an emergency plan or how to plan for hazmat uh, incidents, things like that. So um, what, and then the other thing is what sets you apart from your competition. So out of the couple, 3,000, 4,000 airports around the United States, uh, you know, maybe a thousand people might be looking for airport management jobs. So uh, how do you distinguish yourself from that person? So, and, and in different airports may vary. So my, I might have not been able to get a job at a larger general aviation airport, uh, but then um, might not also get one at a smaller one either. So it really depends on, it's the whole package. 
and then I always start with you have to have a passion for aviation and um, and airports and aircraft and you have to know things like what's your favorite aircraft and <laughs> then then you can graduate to things like do you know part 139 standards or uh, pavement thickness uh, standards and things like that so yeah the more oddball things that'll yeah. be thrown at you for sure right well that's awesome so i guess just to kind of recap that just have passion for aviation be ready to get that experience and don't be afraid to start from the bottom because everybody's got to start from somewhere it's like i tell Absolutely. a lot of these students everybody starts with the zero hours of flight time right everybody starts right where you're starting right now so right absolutely and just get out there and get it so fantastic well apart from that i think that's uh, all we have time for wes thank you so much for making the time to come over here chat with kat and i um hopefully we're gonna have you back on so we can talk more about roiy talk about the history and about every other thing that we could sit here and chat for for hours on end but oh, again bet. thanks for coming and uh hopefully we'll see you again on here yeah wes we really appreciate you coming out today and we're super excited to have you on again Okay, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm your host, Kat Granary, and thanks for listening to As the Prop Turns. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Anchor, for making all this possible, and of course, all of our listeners. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook, handle at Superior Flight School. And remember, keep the blue side up.